This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to What's Next. I'm Laura Fraser and I'm sat with my co-host Laura Podelska and our guest host Sarah Melindwa. And today we've got a really special episode because we've each picked a topic that has interested us, that we're a little bit passionate about, and we decided to have a discussion between the three of us and find out what's next. Exactly. I'm going to just take it from here. Thank you, Lara, for the introduction. So this is riled me up all week, and I'm thinking it has riled up most people, hopefully. So there is a new law that has come into place in Texas where abortion is illegal after the sixth week. This law, which is one of the nation's most restrictive, is not directly meant to penalize women seeking abortions, as such. However, it bans abortions after the detection of a fetal heartbeat. So the law's broad language suggests lawsuits may be brought by private citizens against those who aid, abet or perform abortions. Now that includes someone who may be, you know, helping a patient cover the medical cost of terminating a pregnancy or provides them transportations. And also, well, obviously after the six weeks gestation, but what it really is, it's rape, it's incest, and none of that will matter mm. anymore. Mm. And that is what makes my blood boil. Um, Sarah? You know, this conversation has been happening for a while now, hasn't it? There were talks in the US about, you know, this law that they were trying to pass, but because there was such uproar, I genuinely didn't think it would pass mm. because... Because of, you know, the, the massive backlash that it's had. And Supreme Court not even um, pushing back on it either. Right, right. going through. What shocked me is that most women, and I'm going to be really open, count myself to it, don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. Of course, mm. absolutely. And this is it, isn't it? So, and they've done it in a really, in a really uh, conniving way because it almost implies that, oh, well, we've given you, uh, you know, a cut-off point so you can right. make that, uh, that choice and then afterwards it's illegal. But then how many women notice? You normally notice your period is late after, right. what's mm. it, about six weeks mm. after your last period? Unless, you know, you're somebody who's really on it. But you wouldn't, most women wouldn't know they're pregnant at six weeks and they know this, and it's it's just interesting, like the cut off point that they've that they've made it. But like you said, it doesn't include people who've been sexually assaulted, incest, yes. 
you know, at, and does it count? What at what age does is this capped? So if, if someone's underage, sense. so yeah. these are all things that are really not taken into consideration at all. I mean, there's so many different discussions going on around this, and I found I found it really really interesting to look at it from different viewpoints that it's coming from. Not only is the main discussion going on that men should be making laws around women's bodies, right. but there's also a whole classism issue. Absolutely. So those that are in um, government making these policies are wealthy people. And if their wife or daughter got raped and fell pregnant, they would find a way to have an abortion. Correct. So this and, is the or thing, their teenage right? daughter. Can, yeah, you can pass, you can obviously drive into another yeah. county, mm. but that is a privilege. Exactly. Some people don't have no. a 16-year-old girl in school does not have the privilege and to cross the border. what it does is it, it further solidifies cycles. So basically, if you're poor, you'll stay poor because mm. it, how much does it cost to raise a kid? You know, and they're the most vulnerable people in uh, the lower economic um, areas that won't have the facilities or the resources to be able to find loopholes around these laws. So then they're the ones that are going to be stuck with this burden. But we also watched a really, really interesting video from Tova. Um, You can say who Tova is. Yeah, Tova Lee, um, good friend, great friend who's been on our show loads of times, actually. She's just uh, yeah incredible woman but she's she's posted a video and it's a video that's been watched over and over again so the video was super interesting because she went and analyzed the word pro-life but she said you're only pro-life to the unborn life in a, in the belly mm. not for the woman no. that is unable to look after the kid that might be psychologically, emotionally. And I, human, do, there's, they said if you were pro-life, you'd put resources into place yeah, to totally. for people that are not equipped. You'd help with the adoptions. Mm-hmm. You would do all of these things that would make the quality of life of these lives that we bring in. So you're also not pro-life because you don't care about the life no. of the woman that is birthing this kid. No. How many children in first world countries, as we know, are living below the, you know, below, below the poverty line? Girls, I want to put up, put something forward. Um, we said this podcast would be transient. We said this mm. podcast would, would make it personal because what's the point? If we mm. don't put our lives into it, mm. I don't know about you girls. I have been in a situation where um, I didn't say... No, and I didn't say yes, mm. and it was weird, and um, I won't call it rape because it wasn't. But imagine you are in a situation mm. like that. Mm. Yeah, something unpleasant has something happened. unpleasant happens, yeah. and you don't. And the emotional yeah. trauma yeah. that you're already yeah. going through. And right, I, I'm sorry, I'm struggling for to words. Just find the but, words, yeah. But I think a lot of women may relate to the fact Absolutely. that sometimes you have a night where you come home. And you're put and in a position where you don't feel like you can, you know, because sometimes you know, we talk about consent. Of, of course, yeah. absolutely. You know, as all of us three sitting here, we're all grown women, you know, mm. so we, we, we've lived life, we've experienced, yeah, we've you know, we, we've been shit. through some shit. Yeah, we've been through and, some and, shit. And you know, you cannot pull the yeah. word whatever yeah. eyes. But when I think back to when I was, you know, in my late teens, when I was in my 20s, I was not the woman that I am today. I was in, like, just like you said. Right. You know, I've been in a couple of situations where I can't fully say I consented, but mm. I felt like I had to maybe do something or be in a situation that I fully didn't, 
I knew I didn't consent to it, but I felt like I had no other option. Right. right. So imagine you had gotten pregnant so, exactly. and you live in Texas. Um, mm. And then what? And then what? And also, I think... I, I'm actually really interested to hear mm. about the two of you. Mm. So for me, there's a lot of shame around the yeah. whole issue of yeah. abortion, mm. sex, mm. consent. It is... It is a fine, thin line. Yeah, the lines are skewed. Well, because also there's a huge religious element that is brought into it, which, you know, not everyone who is religious subscribes to that point of view. And if you were looking at statistics, actually, um, the Christian people in, I think it was in Texas right now, or whether it was the whole U.S., were the, the ones having the most abortions. So yeah, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. And, and, and you know, and it's not just Christianity, it's all religions. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 of course. It's all, it's all religions, uh, you know, there's, I, I get it in the scripture, there is this mm. pro-life statement, but we have to also understand that the way that people live has changed. Thank so you. then you have to, yeah. you have to interpret things for now, yeah. not for, a time that is where everything's changed so much. Mm. So Sarah, I want to quickly go to you. You work for the sex clinic. You work, well, I'm saying for the sex clinic. You have a show (laughs) on television called the sex clinic that you're part of. Um, For those listeners of us, which are many, including myself, Mm. who don't know what six week is mm. what does that actually mean? Yeah, is it from the start? Yeah, six is that weeks? a heartbeat? Is it, is, what it, is, is it six weeks from the day you had sex, or six weeks from your last period, or how do they right. measure it as well? Yeah, yeah, so it'd probably be six weeks from your last period. Mm. But again, this differs country to country, state to state, and all these things. So you know, six weeks could be the last day, the, the first day of your last period. It could be the last. It could be the, the time that you had the intercourse, where you could count back to say, okay, this is when I think I got pregnant. So it actually varies, and this is what I come to find as well. At six weeks, you can find a heartbeat, um, so it's a fetus at six weeks. But in most countries, and I know, and I know in the UK that at six weeks, I, I believe it's up to twelve weeks. I have to double you check take that. A, you can take an abortion pill. You can take an abortion pill. Correct. Yeah, and there's um, you can get a medical abortion, you can get a surgical abortion, um, and and that's the cut off point in the in the UK. As in far your as clinic, would in, they give? The, the pills out. So no, so we wouldn't. So we, we wouldn't. only do with sexual health. So let's mm-hmm. say I get a patient come in mm-hmm. um, and it's happened loads and loads of times mm-hmm. where, you know, go through a questionnaire, you ask when the last period was or when the last time they had unprotected sex. And then you think, okay, well, it's worth doing a pregnancy test, you know, to check and then it will come back pregnant. Or, or you know, let's say it comes back as a positive. Then from then on, it's up to, you know, I, you know we'll cancel the patient, um, let them know what their options are. And then if they know there and then, I'd never really encourage anyone to make a decision there and then because, of course, you've just found out and it's a life-changing thing. So we give them the options, all the reading tools that they need, all the links to the online, you know, um, information, get them to think about it and then whatever decision to make. So if they decide to continue with the pregnancy, you refer them to their GP. If they decide to go through with the termination, then you refer them to uh, Brooks, which is one of the other sexual health um, and abortion clinics that we have in Sarah, the UK. Sarah, can I ask you, when you have a woman come in and sometimes it's not just about the abortion, it's not just about yeah. the or the pregnancy, mm. there's a lot more to that. Yes. So, what do you say? How do you counsel? Because oh, is that even your role? Do you, yeah, do you, do you take that on as a role for yourself? Yeah, so you would, um, and m- mostly because let's say somebody comes in and you've already built this rapport with them as a sort of clinician and patient and they feel super comfortable with you and they've already disclosed this information. You want as least people to sort of be involved in that process. So um, if they need sort of a lot more um, uh, sort of 
deeper, shall I say for lack of a better word, uh, counselling or therapy that, that I can't do within that session because, you know, we've got a clinic full or whatever, then I'll refer them for a proper appointment for that specifically. But if they were to present with me, then I'll take the time and we'll go through the whole counselling situation. But what I my normal approach is I would just sort of get them to talk. And I think listening is the best part of, yeah. you know, it's the best part of a conversation. So sort of just getting them to give you as much information as they feel comfortable with. Um, and then from doing that, you would be surprised how much they'll actually um, divulge. Like, you know, it's stuff at home. They could, you know, disclose information about their partner. They don't feel safe. Or, you know, they, they're they not with a partner. They want to keep it. All sorts of different scenarios. Um, so my job as a, as a sexual health, as, you know, as one of the senior nurses there is to counsel the patients, help them to um, reassure them. For my, my job is really, it's not to make a decision for them. The decision is completely up to them. And it's just about making them feel comfortable and making them feel like whatever the deci- whatever dis- decision they make, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Thank okay. You, There's sir. no right or wrong decision. It's whatever's, you. you know, whatever's for you. I want to know for you girls because I know we have so many topics to go mm-hmm. through what does everyone think where is this going to go because yeah. this is a show called what's next mm. I would have never in a million years thought that this law would get passed mm. it sounds like now it will get passed in many more states yeah mm. so for me what's next is that we need to stand up we need to get up and mm. we need to actually yeah. we need to be very yeah. loud yeah. and be very heard yeah. and that's what's next for me personally mm. and what's next for the US I'm worried like yeah. I mean, I'm very similar to you. What's next is everybody needs to be speaking about this because once a precedent of a law is passed, as you said, it it makes it much easier for other places to pass it. And it's very easy to say, oh, it's not happening to us, but it's not happening to you until it does. So you stand up now and you make it heard that this is not okay, that, you know, women need their choices, it's their body. You know, uh, men are uh, screaming about the choice of a vaccine in America. You know, and they're like, I will not have something forced. My body, body. your body, okay, well, you try birthing a child that you don't want inside you, okay? And you won't have a vaccine, so thank you very much. I'm sorry, bravo. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the same people who would be anti-vaxxers who are also anti yeah, so I mean, looking at America where this, you know, where this uh, law has been passed, um, if you look at it historically, and like we said, this law is very much going to affect people from lower, low income families. We've seen how how people from low-income families are affected when it comes to gun crime, when it comes to all sorts of things mm. in society. And so this is just another you know, layer on top of already a massive cake for people in low-income, you know, Mm -hmm. families and communities in America. So it's only going to go the way it went when they had the crack pandemic, you know. This is how it happens. Because we know that people who are more likely to have unwanted pregnancy, teenage pregnancy, all these kind of things come from households where, you know, maybe... resources are less. Resources are not there. I just had one more thing to add on this, and this is something I was thinking about during the week. And I don't know how... probably not actually coming from where I stand, but everyone's saying, you know, men shouldn't be making laws around women's bodies. But I'm like, if you actually take that precedent, then are you going to say rich people can't be making laws about poor people? Are they you going to be saying that, you know, so actually that's actually the precedent is wrong. It's men need to educate themselves uh, on a topic or or whoever. Because a lot of women voted for this. Yeah, Yeah. I actually think it's that men shouldn't be making laws. It's just that I think that, uh, you know, the empathy. Ladies, can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
Um, between all of the girlfriends, family, friends, mm. friends or friends mm. you have, has there ever been anyone that hasn't been through something that they may or may have not regretted doing at some point of in course. their life? I know. Right. 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 Whether it's a kiss, mm-hmm. whether it's a date, a night whatever, owl, whatever, a night, whatever, whatever it, could it is. Be. Everybody I know, yeah. there is not a single woman, and men as well, by the way, mm-hmm. just to say, mm-hmm. men as well, that have been in a situation. So who is anyone to judge? I am. And they turn around and say, well, you're mis- that one mistake you made, you're going to have to live with it. Exactly. And just one more thing is, and I read this and it was really interesting, the, the um, anti-abortion was women should be having sex less, but not men. Like uh, the, the women should be oh, having really? sex. Less. And there was a really big point where it's like a woman can only get pregnant once in nine months. A man can impregnate hundreds of people within those nine months. And you're telling us to stop having sex. Are you mad? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that. Yeah, we can be here for your pleasure, but as long as, as, long as, as you're involved, involved. There's, there's no repercussions. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to ask that. And I did not cut that out. I know. Because... I would never edit you, baby. It this is, is no, your free space. No, because it is a free space. And yeah. this is really the question. And like I said, this is. Isn't a, this isn't a man hating? Quite the opposite, actually. I I just feel like everyone should everyone be free to do yeah. what they want. I yeah, right. desperately. Jumping onto the comment that you just made. Yeah. Sorry, because I know yeah. we're going to yeah. move on. We've got a lot to talk about. Did you know that um, that one one man? Yeah. His um, ejaculation, if you collected it for two weeks, is enough to impregnate every fertile woman on the planet. Yeah. What? This is what I'm saying. And then then somehow it's our fault. Right. I want to go on to the next one. And I've been reading up about this. And you know what? I think it's a little bit close to home to all of us as media-facing people that use Instagram and use all of these social tools and open up our lives, really. And... um, and my, a couple of weeks ago now, an Instagram model was murdered by a stalker who then stabbed himself to death afterwards. So the, the, the lady's real name is Janae Gagnier. Sorry, I'm going to say this again. Janae Gagnier. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go with that. She was 33 and she was found dead in her apartment outside of Houston on Sunday by her father. And her father says, what I saw, I wouldn't want any parent to go through. Now, basically, I'm just going to sum up the story. There had been a man stalking this woman, and she was very um, prevalent on Instagram, OnlyFans, and a couple of mm-hmm. different platforms. Do you want to quickly explain what OnlyFans is? OnlyFans is um, a, a locked-off platform that people need to subscribe to, that they can get personal texts and riskier photos than um, Instagram would allow. Um, and it's it's become a phenomenon. There's uh, loads of people on OnlyFans. So what some of our best friends. Some of our best friends. Mm, yeah. And there really is not a stigma around it. And, you know, everyone uses platforms differently and puts their lives out there for whatever benefits and for whatever reasons. However... A rapper then came out and said that, and I, I'm, I've forgotten the rapper's name, so excuse me, but this is the gist of the story. He came out and said that it was her fault and she should have, she should have expected to have a stalker if you're going to put yourself out like that, if you're going to be on these platforms, if you're going to be doing all of these things. Um, and that, you know, he doesn't really have any sympathy for her. I think a lot of people came to her defense, yeah. but it shocks me how many people think that. And what I want to really discuss with uh, with you guys now 
is not even so much the story itself, mm. but do you think that you that there is some type of onus on what content you put put out and what and what repercussions you get? And I'm going to just give an example. When Kim Kardashian got robbed in Paris, mm. and every single day she was wearing these. Uh, these jewels worth millions and riding on it i have millions of dollars and which is a completely different situation but i'm just going to give a few out there just so we can get some perspective you know in a time where and a place where there's a huge huge impoverished areas some people thought she was baiting um now i know when i go away my parents always say, maybe leave a light on, don't don't post that you're away just in case so people can come into the house. You know, people do take certain precautions. Where is the line with this? It's tricky, isn't it? It's, it actually, no, it's, not, it's really not tricky because, because <laughs> okay, good examples. Yeah, I just wanted to get a, yeah. a, a range out there. For sure, because of, on one New hand, you've got someone like um, yeah. Kim Kardashian, multimillionaire, mm. Showing the jewelry and doing the whole flashy thing just because, mm. not because of anything else. And then you've got this young girl who is on OnlyFans, which is a way of making money. No, but also at Kim, that's how her business and is. And that's also that her business is, is, is creating yeah. this lifestyle of yeah. elegance and money yeah. and wealth. So that yeah. actually, yeah. In, she may not be they're paid. Both... So in in a, in a weird kind of way, they're both. This is how they both make this their is, money. This is both of their jobs. But then, where do you draw the line? Because yeah. it's like saying, okay, well, if you're an actress. Lao, that means you should never be on telly because you know you, you're going to draw attention to yourself as in you could be anybody in any sort of public sphere then mm. you don't have to be on an only you could just be simply on instagram as a normal person so do you and stalkers he... because there's this there's also this miscon um this misconceived idea that because you know maybe because she was sexual and you could have a stalker without being yes any of those things. You yeah. could be the most decent person online and doing all the right things, not trying to attract a certain type of attention, it's but often, still get... So yeah. how it do you... It has very little it's to do It's victim-blaming, isn't it? Yeah, this is the thing. It has very little to do around the person that is being stalked and everything to do around whatever is going on in that, that person's person. life. Yeah. It's like, you know, rapists often don't pick their target because someone is beautiful or no, anything no. like that. It's nothing about that. It's about the power dynamic, Right. right? right. And, you know, and it's complete victim blaming. And I think that that's so entrenched in the way we discuss stories. Sorry, Lau, you go. Yes. So for me, I want to I want to actually preface this by saying I've learned a lot over the last five years working on the radio with Lara, Mm -hmm. you about that, because I was very careful with the content I used to post Mm -hmm. and I didn't post any bikini pictures from many, many years ago Mm -hmm. because I thought it would give the wrong attention. Mm -hmm. And then Lara, actually, you taught me Mm -hmm. that I can post whatever the fuck I want Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter because it's my Instagram and no one has a right to discredit me for anything, no matter what I post. And And I'm still struggling with that. No, but and then I also think when when you take on that responsibility, you're taking the onus away from the people that are behaving badly. So if someone's going to like attack you and abuse you for being too sexual it's because their mind is going somewhere else it's because of what they're doing or everything like that and when you say oh maybe i shouldn't have done this you're taking the responsibility away from them and then it will never ever stop right so through you i've really learned that it doesn't matter um having had my share of stalkers um Mm. not many just a few Mm. enough that's enough i was gonna say hell out of me it is scary Um, yeah enough to scare hell out of me again i'm gonna make it personal but i will say that um 
It's been shocking that this woman has been targeted yeah. for being on OnlyFans or for being yeah. sexual. Also, what is sexual to one person so may is, not be sexual yeah. to another but relative. But the thing is, and even if she was, that still doesn't How justify. Do, exactly. You know, OnlyFans is a specific site. Right. It's not like she was on, like, you know, your Facebook or your Twitter yeah. or just yeah. putting yeah, yeah. things. So don't go it's on it Exactly. Yeah. It's a specific, yeah. it's a specific yeah. site that's supposed to be, you know... Um, uh, police and every, you know have all the checks make sure all these kind of things of course it's hard to police the internet anyone can get online and do whatever but and also guys I want to say something just so we understand this is someone's daughter right this is someone's cousin yeah this is someone's fiance yeah this is someone's friend. best friend yeah this isn't just a, a person no. that you look at and go oh my god oh she must be such a hoe in real yeah, life yeah, yeah, yeah. this is someone's child yeah, okay yeah. and whatever whatever path they seem to how is it any different for any I'm sorry that's my opinion mm. any Oscar winning actress to mm. take off her clothes and be in a violent rape scene okay or or in a sexual amazing it's all, scene it's all performing yeah it's all it's yeah. a show it's sure. everything you don't understand that yeah. and that's on you and that's on you and, yeah. am I right in saying that? it is on them but I think that also that there's these built perceptions around uh, like you know different sectors and all of it's constructed right mm-hmm. and it's constructed for different reasons yeah. you know unless it comes to benefit men <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 well I mean it's just our values uh, like uh, the built value system that we have that you know there's good naked and there's bad naked yeah, correct yeah, yeah, yeah. but what people don't realize is you know uh, modest in london is not modest in other places oh, so the way right, you right. Could, the way you as a modest say a modest person is looking down on someone else yeah. someone else is looking down on them yeah yeah, yeah yeah i absolutely agree with that i do want to move on from the topic yeah. i do want to say what's next what's next for me i'm shocked by the situation i'm I'm shocked by murder in general, mm. always, especially mm. if it's a female my age. I just get yeah. You I always get, put yourself straight exactly, away. Exactly, I get the chills. I'm on Instagram. I'm pub, I'm a public yeah. person, so mm. it it freaks me out. And and God bless her and her mm. family. And that's really what I want to say mm. for the future. Everyone, calm down yeah. a little bit. Okay, yeah. just because you see something online may not ever be the truth you don't know the whole story no. and that's what's next for me that's that's just what I want to give away and I don't mean this in a preachy way but that is really how I feel mm. and I'm saying this also for us three because it's just we just never know no do we and this is our job you know but, this is how we make our Sarah. money this is how we so what's next um for me with this situation and what I hope to be next is that social media platforms will take um you know accountability and take ownership and be at the forefront of having checks and I think we've had this conversation before especially with the whole football thing about you know trolls internet trolls it's been conversations that we've been Mm. having since Mm. the beginning of social media so what's next for me I hope is that her life will not be in vain and that some laws will be put in place and that these you know giant platforms that have so much power and influence will actually invest in um protecting users and having things put in place like you have to get id we you have in order to be online listen it's, it's still an option yeah, it's not so compulsory to be on, a, exactly. on an app like it's it's like a social thing it's like saying i'm going to go out tonight i'm going to stay at home you don't have to be on there it's a really um, great of, idea actually. absolutely yeah. like so yeah. if you if you, if you don't want to give your your id to say that okay i'm my email is who i say i am and you know this is my id Sorry, don't be on it. If they feel like that's too much information to share, then so be it. Because I feel like so many people are suffering from just the, just these keyboard warriors, warriors yeah. who have nothing better to do. And yeah. it affects people's lives. What you say online affects people emotionally and things like this happen, you know. So I hope that's what's next. 
Yeah. And so for me, I think I definitely want to stop the era of victim blaming. We need to change our language that we use. We need to change our viewpoints and we need to actually target where the, where the, um, pain and stuff that is being caused is coming from you know you need to put onus on the perpetrators and not on the victims and we keep saying this and we keep seeing it happen and it needs to change and it actually starts with a language thing you know alleged and all of those things on how they portray stories right guys so we have been through two really big topics and i think we explored them really nicely and this third one is because we have our guest host in today sarah malinwa who not only is on a very well-known TV show called The Sex Clinic, but she's also a practicing nurse who was in the hospitals during COVID times, well, still COVID times, but not lockdown times, and works in a practice, in a clinic, on the Mondays and Tuesdays of every week. And I think you've got a really on-the-ground knowledge for this. So I'm going to let you take it away. Yes, so there was a news article which you sent me, Lara, actually. um, And I remember coming across it, but I didn't actually read it properly. And then uh, when you sent it, I opened it up. And it was about this doctor who basically was found... um, No, it wasn't even her lunch break. She was on shift. She was on call. um, She was a senior house officer. And she basically gone missing for a couple of hours. Mm. And all all her colleagues were looking for her. Understandably, there were, you know, patients who need to be discharged and things that need to be signed off and things. And long story short, the matron, I believe, found her sleeping in the ladies' changing room, having a nap. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my goodness. Would that happen ever? Like, no, no, I mean, I've, I've been in nurse you ever for come across over that? 14 years. I've never... I mean, okay, let me not lie. I remember when I was back in my early nursing days, <laughs> put it all out there. But, like, yeah. I remember, like, we'd go out and, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. doctors and nurses go out the most. Let me not even lie to you. Yeah. But, um, and, like, and, 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 like, if it was, like, a quiet day, yeah. yeah, if it was, like, a quiet day on the shift, like, someone would get somebody to cover and say, okay, maybe have a little extra half an hour or have a little nap or something. Mm-hmm. But it would always be that we're well-staffed, everyone's covering for everybody. And it would never be, like, you're a nap. It's just to sort of be, like, okay, have a little extra 10-15 minutes but to full on have a nap in the middle of a shift as the senior house officer I've never so I I wanted to ask you do you think that that this warrants as negligence and what are and also do you think the strains that are put on doctors and nurses and responsibilities and caseloads and you know because we hear a lot about the NHS being um, being understaffed and overworked and all of those those sorts of things do you think that ties in or do you think this was a particular person's just um, going through something having maybe just be yeah, this, uh, listen, this sounds like Sorry. I can fall asleep standing, like, you know. At first, when I read the headline, I was thinking, at first I thought, okay, this is just the Daily Mail just doing what the Daily Mail does kind of thing and just, like, using it as a scapegoat almost, you know, because yeah. we see a lot of negative um, press about the NHS from certain publications who may not who may be pro-selling the NHS, let's just put it that way. And so I always consider my source... However, so first, the first thing I thought was this is probably somebody, you know, who's overworked and who's just exhausted, basically. Yeah. But then reading through the article, it wasn't an isolated incident. Okay. There were other, yeah, there were other situations where she wouldn't turn up or she would say she's done things when she hasn't. So there were other factors okay. to pay into it. And so that was kind of like almost like a last, last chance saloon type okay. of thing. However, though, it is a very valid point to make because I, I know personally a lot of people... I mean, like you said, like at the beginning, your fabulous intro. Yeah. 
you know, I've been a nurse for 14 years and um, for the first five years of my nursing career, I worked in the hospital. So I was frontline. I was doing the shifts, the weekends, the nights, the long days, the, you know, all of it. And I know how easy it is to get burnt out, let alone, you know, after a pandemic when a lot of people haven't been allowed to have annual leave because A, what are you going to do with it anyway? Where are you going to go? And B, we just, you know, we need people on the front line. And so people are absolutely shattered mentally, physically, emotionally, mm. psychologically. And um, I think there's, because it's interesting now, because life has sort of gone back to normal now, everything's kind of died down. And even myself, yeah. when I think back to going back to the front line, it's because you guys were sort of you were not physically with me, but you were with me on that journey. Yeah. We, oh my god, you guys were on me. Because there's, there's a real, there's a real trauma that's happened. There's a real trauma, absolutely. I just feel like you went into autopilot. Too, you right? do, yeah. 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 I, so I'm not going to give my opinion on this one because I have the utmost respect for doctors and nurses, and I don't feel qualified to say anything in terms of whether someone taking mm. a nap. I don't I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I would say the only way I can think about it is if God forbid anything was wrong with my family, my friends, mm. um, my future child and someone was to take a nap. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. would very much yeah. the ripple effect would be horrendous. And I think that's probably but, why yeah. But I'm not again, I want to make that really clear. I'm not qualified to comment on this mm-hmm. and I have the utmost respect for what everyone does. And Sarah, what do you think needs to happen in these situations? In these situations, I think um that's when management steps in. Um and you know, things like Therapy, you know, this is something that she could have a lot of underlying problems going on. She was a doctor and she and she would have been a doctor throughout the pandemic. Everyone reacts to different things in different ways. Mm. We don't know what psychological effect that could have taken on her. There's so many different things to, um, you know, to, to factor in. So I hope more um, acknowledgement of, of, you know, the needs of NHS workers, because without, you know, the frontline workers, who's going to look after, you know, you need to look after the people who look after the people. Exactly. exactly. Thank you. What a great way to finish. Guys, please let us know what you think. Like, comment, give us stars and let us know what you think. We're always around for comments and we're always interested what people think about our show. And I would also like to say if anyone has suggestions of the topics that they would like to hear more about, we're really into that because we want to know what interests you. So we will be back with another guest we <laughs> will and I want to say a massive thank you to one of our best friends Sarah Melindwa we've yeah. been friends for so oh, long what, I love six you years? Guys. yes no more I think nearly I yeah, know I yeah. stopped counting now I yeah. stopped counting exactly oh God, we all started yeah. out on radio and here we are again uh, thank you for listening please do follow us and we shall see you again very soon 